Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to kick off a mini-series called Practices of the Church. And in this series, we're going to look at baptism, communion, membership, and the mission of the church. These are four biblical themes that form the foundation of any church. And this morning, we are going to be looking at baptism. Whenever you discuss baptism, there are many important questions that will bubble up to the surface. Questions like, what is baptism? Why should someone get baptized? Is baptism required for salvation? Is baptism for infants or adults, or infants and adults? Is sprinkling okay, or do you need to dunk someone underneath, all the way underneath the water? If you ask the Eastern Orthodox Church, they say that babies must be baptized. And you must baptize babies in a very specific way. You dunk their head three times, and then you dunk their butt three times in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they have to be naked when you baptize them. Some people say you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to dunk babies. You're supposed to sprinkle babies. During COVID, a debate arose around whether or not you can baptize babies with a squirt gun. And so here's a, a, a picture of a priest who's uh, squirting holy water. On people, uh, here's another picture here um, of, of a baby being baptized uh, with holy water from a squirt gun. The Bible doesn't say anything about that necessarily, so we don't know if that's good or bad. But other people say you should not baptize babies at all. That baptism is only for those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And my goal for this morning is not to answer all the possible questions and settle every debate surrounding baptism. That would take forever. My goal is to lay a biblical foundation underneath our feet so that we gain more clarity on baptism. So here we go. Five observations on baptism. Number one, baptism equals immersion. What is baptism? Baptism equals immersion. The Greek word for baptism is the word baptizo, which means to immerse or baptize. It is a picture of going all the way under or all the way into something. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we see how Jesus Christ himself was baptized. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. So where was he baptized? He was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Now, was he sprinkled? Is that what happened? Did he get oil on his head? Is that, was that his baptism? Look at verse 10. As soon as he came up out of the water, he was immersed, he was dunked, he went all the way into the Jordan River and he came up out of the water. Jesus was immersed, he was baptized in the Jordan River. And this is how baptism is practiced in the New Testament. Every time the New Testament records a baptism, they are immersed or baptized in a body of water. Observation number two is that baptism is a command. Baptism is a command. What is baptism? It is a command. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is the mission that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to his people, that he's given to his church. What are we to live for? We are to live for the glory of God by making disciples. This is what it is all about. This is what our church is all about, making disciples. How do you do that? Well, there's a lot that goes into making disciples, but Jesus gives us some insight here. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. So how do you make a disciple? A lot goes into it, but at the very minimum, the very least, it means that you baptize and you teach them. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit and you teach them 
to observe or or obey everything that the Lord Jesus has commanded us. And this is where we see the self-replicating nature of the Great Commission, that part of making disciples is you baptize them and you teach them. And part of teaching them is teaching them to make disciples. How do you do that? By baptizing and teaching them. And this this has been happening for the past 2,000 years. There's this self-replicating process built into the Great Commission, which is wild to think about. For 2,000 years, this this movement that started in Israel has spread all over the world and people have been making disciples by baptizing them and teaching them. And this is our time in history to live for the glory of God. This is our time to make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them to obey Jesus. Many people think about baptism as an experience. What is it? Well, it's, it's, it's an experience. Baptism is about chasing a spiritual high. Why get baptized? Well, I wanna feel close to God. Or they're chasing a spiritual blessing. I hear people say something like this all the time. I'm not close enough with God yet to get baptized. So when I feel closer to God, when I get some more sin out of my life, then I will get baptized. But see, baptism is not about your experience. It is about obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is a command to be obeyed. Observation number three, baptism is a visible sign of invisible realities. What is baptism? It is a visible sign of invisible realities. Baptism and communion are two of the ordinances that Jesus has given the church. What's an ordinance? It's something that he has ordained. It's something that he has ordained. These are two of the commands that he's given to the church and they are distinct from the other commands. Now why? Why is baptism distinct? Why is communion distinct from the other commands? Well, here's a key thought. Baptism and communion are distinct from the other commands because they're designed to tell the story of the gospel. The very acting out of baptism and communion is telling the story of the gospel. Think about prayer for a moment. Is it good to pray? Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing it is to pray. We are commanded to pray. But in the act of prayer, you're not necessarily acting out the gospel message. Whereas baptism, the act of baptism being dunked in the water, baptized into the water, and coming out of the water is designed to dramatize the gospel. And the same is true with communion. We take communion every week as a church. And what is communion about? Well, it's about the body of Christ. It's about Christ's body and his blood. His body was broken. His blood was shed for us. And so the bread and the cup are the symbols of that reality that we act out together every single Week. And so communion is telling the story of the gospel. Baptism is telling the story of the gospel. Now, what realities are dramatized in baptism? What are those realities? There are many. There are many realities that are dramatized in baptism, but I'm going to give you three. I think these are the most foundational realities that are, that are pictured in baptism. The first is death. Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We are not sprinkled by his death. We are immersed into the death of Jesus Christ. One of the marvelous mysteries of the gospel is our union with Christ. This is an incredible truth built into the gospel of grace that by faith in Christ, we are united to Jesus Christ. What is true then of Jesus becomes true of us. Jesus' death on the cross is our death. We died with him. And baptism is that picture of dying with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you a question. This is a little bit of a a trick question. I want you to think about it. Have you paid for your sins? 
Have you paid for your sins? The wages of sin is death. Have you paid for your sins? Well, in a very real sense, the answer is yes. You say, no, no, Christ died for our sins. Yes, and amen. Of course Christ died for our sins, but we died with him. We died with him. His union or his death is our death. We are united with Christ in his death. This is the picture, this is the story of the gospel, that when Jesus went to the cross, he took responsibility for my sins, and he died, and I died with him there. People rightly say all the time that Jesus died, that we might live. Yes and amen, that is absolutely true. But if you want to be more precise, it's actually that Jesus died, that we might die with him, that we might live. Our death is his death. Our death is his death. That at the cross, we died with with him. And so baptism is a picture of dying with Christ. Number two, burial. Burial. Reality number two is burial, that we were baptized into the burial of Jesus Christ. Not only did we die with Christ, but we were also buried with Christ. His death is our death. His burial is our burial. We have been united with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is good news that the world needs to hear about. He is a new creation. The old old life has passed away. If you're in Christ, the old life is gone. It has passed away. And see, the new, the new life has come. Where is your old life? Where's it at? Is it still with you? Where is your old life at? Your old life was buried with Christ. It's in the grave. It's gone. When he died, he was buried, and he went into the grave. And our old life went with him in the grave. So let me ask you, where is your sin? Where is your pride? Where is your laziness, your gossip, your habit of gossiping? Where is your self-righteousness? Where is it at? It's buried with Christ. Our old life, this body of sin has been done away with in Christ, buried with Christ. Now, that, mean, that doesn't mean we're never going to sin. We are going to sin, but that's when someone sins, When you act in pride, when you are lustful, when you are angry with people for unjustified reasons, when you lie, is that who you really are as a Christian? No, you're a new creation in Christ. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in your old sinful nature. Number three, reality number three is resurrection, that we are baptized into the resurrection of Jesus. Probably my favorite verse on the resurrection of Jesus is in Acts chapter two, verse 24. This is, uh, this is during Pentecost. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead and the apostle Peter gets up and he proclaims the good news of the gospel. And this is what he says. This is the first time the gospel is proclaimed after the resurrection of Jesus, Acts two twenty four. But God raised him from the dead, freeing, freeing him from the agony of death Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that line. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death is such a cruel master. Death shatters families. It dashes dreams. It severs relationships. Death is the ominous cloud under which all humanity lives. And it is an enemy that no one can defeat on their own. I mean, if you stare death in the face, if you take on death all by yourself, you will lose. Everyone loses. You cannot defeat death by yourself. But the Lord Jesus Christ defeated death. And Peter says this at Pentecost when he proclaims the gospel. God raised him from the dead. 
God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for Jesus Christ to stay dead. He is life in and of himself. He is the source of all life. He could not stay dead. And so he was raised from the dead. And the good news of the gospel is not only is that not only is Jesus' death our death and his burial our burial, but his resurrection is our resurrection. His resurrection is our resurrection, that we in Christ, we have been raised to new life. Romans chapter six, verse four, therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we can walk in newness of life. There, there is a new life available to the world in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he did not bring, he did not bring our sins with him. When he rose from the dead, he did not bring our sins with him. He did not bring our old life with him. So where are your sins? They're in the grave. They're gone. They're done away with. Will your sins come back? Will your sins be resurrected and condemn you in the presence of God? No way. They're gone. They're paid for. They're in the grave. When Jesus came up from the grave, he came up as a sinless savior who conquered death for us. And what he offers the world is forgiveness. He offers the world forgiveness. He offers the world a new life, new power, victory over sin and death and Satan. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. I mean, look at our world today. I mean, just look at what's happening in our world where people are taken captive by sin. They're controlled by sin. Some of you, you're totally, your lives are totally dominated by your lusts, by your pride, by your greed. You've been taken captive. You're enslaved to sin. But see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he offers the world freedom from sin, victory over sin. And in Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we are free. In Christ, we're no longer children of the devil, but children of God. We are no longer under wrath, but under grace. Because of our own decisions, our own rebellion, we once were rightly condemned before God. I mean, could you imagine facing a holy God in your sin? The psalmist says, if you kept a record of sin, if you, O oh Lord, kept a record of sin, who could stand? Who could stand in the presence of a holy God with your record of sin? But see, Christ has taken that record of sin away from us. And he paid for it at the cross, and it is buried in the grave. It's gone. And so there is now no condemnation for those who are, who are in Christ. Why? Because we, we are united with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer strangers to God, but we've been adopted by God the Father. We are citizens of heaven. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that we were once darkness, but now we are light in Christ. Why are you light? Why are Christians light? Because we are united to the light of the world. We are light in Christ. And I want to be crystal clear that the act of going into the water is not what makes you a Christian. Did you hear that? So when someone gets dunked, it's not like in that moment, because they're in the water, they become a Christian. That's not what's happening. But baptism, that act of baptism, is acting out the drama of the gospel. It is acting out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism 
is the, is the mark. It is the mark of God on his covenant people. It is the way, it's the way God, see, to become a Christian is to have a new heart where God saves you. He, he, he takes out this heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. Romans chapter two says that it's the work of the spirit that circumcises the heart so that the body of death is taken away from us, that we might love and worship Christ, but you cannot physically see that reality in someone's life. You can see the work of the spirit, but you can't see that reality, the cutting away of the flesh, getting a new heart, you can't see that. But see, baptism is the external visible sign of those incredible realities. Just as a wedding ring does not make you married, but it is the visible sign that I am married. If I, if I take my wedding ring off and you don't know me, you don't know anything about me and you look at me, you just look at me, how do you know if I'm married or not? You don't really, you don't really know. But as soon as I put this wedding ring on, this, just this little piece of rubber right here, now you know this is the sign. This is the sign. And baptism is to be the sign of these incredible realities. It is the sign that tells the story, the good news of the gospel. And the decision to get baptized, the decision to get baptized is the decision to publicly identify with Christ. It is the decision to pub publicly identify with Christ. And the decision not to get baptized is the decision to not publicly identify with Christ. Now you might say, well, I tell people I'm a Christian and I have a big cross tattoo on my back, and I post verses on Instagram. I mean, what more do I need to do? You, could, you might say that, but, but God has said, no, 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 no. I want my people who belong to me to get baptized. That's what I want. That's how I want my people. That's one of the ways I want my people to be marked out. You know, imagine if you asked me, I do wear a wedding ring, but let's, let's pretend I didn't wear a wedding ring. And, and you said, Dan, why don't you wear a wedding ring? And I said, well, I don't wear a wedding ring because I just don't want anyone to know I'm married to Meg. That's why. It's not a big deal. I just, I don't want anyone to know I'm married to this woman. You'd say, what? <laughs> smells like trouble. <laughs> That's big trouble right there. What in the world? You don't want anyone to know you're married to your, your wife? Yeah, that's why I don't wear a wedding ring. You'd say, "That's no, no. That's totally inappropriate. And see, baptism is the way of going public with your faith. You're saying, I belong to Christ. I belong to him. It is the biblical prescribed way to say, I have committed my life to Christ. My old life is over. Acts 2.41, this is the pattern that we see in the scriptures. Nearly every situation in the scriptures follows this exact pattern when it comes to baptism. So those who accepted his message, so they hear the good news of the gospel, they respond by faith in Christ. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And so all the way back to the birth of the church, this is what happened. The people repented of their sin. They repented and they turned to God in faith, trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. And baptism was the public identification with Christ. And throughout history, it has cost believers much to be baptized. I mean, for the first century church, if you got baptized, you were ostracized from society. You were kicked out of the synagogues. You didn't belong to your people anymore. There was a great cost to be baptized. And all around the world today, still, there is a great cost for people to be baptized. There's a missionary in Iraq. I remember listening to his testimony, and he says, he says that the Muslim world, at least where he was at in Iraq, he says they don't kill you until you get baptized. Because they know, they know 
that until you get baptized, you're just not serious about your faith in Christ. And I remember hearing that, and I thought, oh my goodness, what in the world that people were actually wrestling with? Am I willing to die for Christ? Am I willing to do that? And when they got baptized, they were saying, my life belongs to Christ. And I think the same is true for us. I think the same is true for us. When, we, when someone gets baptized, we want to have that same type of thought process where we say, my old life is over. My life belongs to Jesus Christ. My old life is over. I died with Christ. My life was buried with Christ. And now I'm living the new life that Jesus has purchased, provided for me. It is a big step of faith and obedience. Observation number four. There are many reasons people do not get baptized. There are many reasons people do not get baptized. I'm going to give you a few. Reason number one, they're not Christians. They're not Christians. People don't actually believe in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a cultural confession of Christ where people say to themselves, well, we're not a Hindu country. We're not a Muslim country. We shouldn't be an atheistic country. So I guess we're Christians. Maybe I'll go to church every once in a while, but they're not actually born again. They don't They don't have the spirit of God inside of them. They have not been born again, so they don't get baptized. Reason number two is they don't sense the priority of baptism. There are a lot of genuine Christians, people who who really are Christians, who have not been baptized. And the argument goes like this. Since baptism is not required for salvation, then it doesn't matter if I'm baptized. Now, I see the argument there. If it's not required for salvation, then I don't, it's not a big deal if, whether or not I get baptized. But... I think it's, there's another, another way to look at this. I think there's a better way to look at it. It's that baptism is not required for salvation. Did you hear that? It's not a requirement for salvation. The thief on the cross was not, he didn't just, you know, the Lord Jesus didn't say, okay, thief, we'll hit a timeout. Just go down real quick from the cross, get baptized, and then we'll just nail you back up again. That's not what happened. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. He was not baptized. It's not, it's, that, that example and a hundred others make it clear from the scriptures that baptism is not required for salvation, but it is required if you want to be faithful to Christ. It is a requirement if you want to be faithful to Christ. Why do I say that? Well, to follow Christ is to follow Christ. To follow Christ, it it, it doesn't mean, to become a Christian, it doesn't mean that we say, now I have this powerful guy who created the universe, who's in charge of all things. He's in the backseat of my car, and if I get in trouble, he can help me out. That's not the Christian life. To be a Christian is to say, I'm gonna follow him. I will follow him. And one of the first things he asks his followers to do is publicly identify with me. It's one of the first things he says. You should be baptized. And so if we say, yeah, yeah, you're my Lord, but no, I won't do that. It just, from the get-go, it's not gonna go very well. There is no category in the Bible of an unbaptized Christian. That's not a category. There are all kinds of people who get baptized who are not Christians, but there is no category of an unbaptized Christian. I'm not saying if you're not baptized, you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying biblically, that's the pattern. That's what you see. And so if you are here this morning and you are a Christian and you've not been baptized, I'm hoping to spur you on towards love and good deeds here and and take that step of faith. Reason number three, why don't people get baptized? I would say lame excuses. Lame excuses. Here are a few here are a few real excuses. I have a little log that I keep. Not really, but I, these are things that came to mind when I was, I was thinking about some lame excuses I've heard over the years. I'm too busy to get baptized. That's one. I'm just too busy. Dan, I just, I'm too busy. Another one. My feet are ugly. My feet are ugly. And I don't want anyone to see my feet. But I'm just telling you that when you get baptized, no one is looking at your feet. 
unless they're really ugly. Then everyone will look at your feet. But to help people get over this, uh, I'm excited to announce we do have a new product at Walnut Creek. They're called baptism socks. Just to cut, so if you have really ugly feet, we're, you can just cover them up. And I'm just kidding. Those aren't for sale. But Another thing I hear, I've heard, is that my hair doesn't look good when it gets wet. Uh, I don't want to say anything in front of hundreds of people. That's pretty common. I don't want to say anything, but I think it's good. It's good. You, you don't have to share your testimony, but you do want to publicly identify with Christ. You do want to confess him as Lord and Savior. I'm too old. I'm just too old to get baptized. Or I'm embarrassed. I'm going to be embarrassed. A lot of people think I've, I've been a Christian for a long time, and they don't know I haven't been baptized. It's my little secret. I haven't been baptized. And if I get baptized, then everyone's going to know I, I haven't been baptized. You just got to get over that. You got to get over that. And so if you're a Christian and you've not been baptized, what's keeping you from being baptized? You should do it. You should do it. Reason number four, I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a baby. And I, I'm not putting this in the category of lame excuses. This is a different category. This is not necessarily, a, it can be a lame excuse, but that's not necessarily what it is. And this is one topic we need to think through a little bit more. Now, out of curiosity, curiosity question, how many of you were baptized as a baby? Show of hands. I just want to see this. Wow. If you went to any church in the Des Moines metro this morning, uh, this is what you would see among every, I mean, every church, people are baptized as babies. And so the argument goes, since I was baptized as a baby, those, there's no reason for me to be, quote, rebaptized. I don't need to be rebaptized if I was baptized as a baby. And so many people ask, okay, if I was baptized as a baby, does that fulfill the command? Does that fulfill the command to be baptized? When Jesus says, go make disciples, baptizing them, does that fulfill the command? And I would say, I just want to be clear here because I love you guys. No, it does not fulfill the command. It does not fulfill the command. And I would say that infant baptism divides into two categories. Not all infant baptisms are the same. And they divide into two categories. Category one is what I would say is false teaching. Uh, there is a lot of false gospel built into infant baptism. And it falls under the category of what is called baptismal regeneration. That people are regenerated, born again, they become Christians when they are baptized. So I want to give you an example of this, and it is the Catholic view of baptism. So I'm going to read this directly from the Catholic catechism. So here's what it says. Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to other sacraments. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ, are incorporated into the church, and are made sharers in her mission. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through the water and the word. And so as you explore that more, as you dive into that statement or the, those sentences more, what you will see is that, is that they believe the actual act of baptism is how someone is born again. That's how you are born again. And it happens at, automatically through the water when done by a priest. And so a baby doesn't have to have any faith. The baby can't have any faith. So it's, it happens to a baby in the waters of baptism. 
And if you do not baptize your babies, you are endangering their eternal future. I mean, don't don't you, hey mom, don't you want your baby to go to heaven if it dies? Hey dad, don't you want your baby to go to heaven when it dies? Why would you jeopardize your baby's eternal security by not having them baptized? And so this is what's been practiced for centuries. And see, if your baby has not been baptized in a Catholic church and that baby dies, then they go to limbo. Have you heard that word before? Limbo. They go into limbo. What is limbo? Well, limbo is the in-between state between heaven and hell. It's not purgatory. It's a good place, but they're not in the presence of God. And that's where your baby will go forever. This is a false teaching. It is a false gospel. And there are other forms of this, baptismal regeneration, that we could look at. But that type of, of infant baptism is unhelpful and it is wrong. Uh, category number two is incorrect teaching or unhelpful teaching. There's a type of teaching on infant baptism that I would say is incorrect and unhelpful in our understanding of the gospel. One example of this would be the Reformed Presbyterian view of baptism. And I want to be so clear. Reformed Presbyterians preach the gospel. Reformed Presbyterians, they preach the gospel. But I believe they are wrong when it comes to baptism. People can be saved and, and go to Reformed, I mean, Reformed Presbyterian churches are filled with people who are born again. They've done much good in the kingdom of God. So they are our, brother, they are our brothers and sisters. We'll spend eternity with them forever. But, but again, I believe they are incorrect when it comes to baptism. They do not believe that baptism is the means by which God saves a person. They're not, babies are not regenerated when they are baptized. Rather, they believe that baptism is the sign of the covenant which replaces circumcision. So just as babies were circumcised in the Old Testament, babies were circumcised in the Old Testament, God commanded the Jews to circumcise their babies. That's the sign of the covenant. In the New Testament, it's baptism. And so therefore, we apply baptism the way that the Old Testament applied circumcision. This is their teaching. Now, the million-dollar question is the question, will Walnut Creek Church baptize babies? And again, I want to be clear. Yes, we will. We will baptize babies. We will baptize all the baby Christians that God gives to us. And so you got to be a baby Christian. That's it. Now, how do you become a baby Christian? You must believe. You must believe in what? In Christ. You must come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ where you trust him alone for your salvation. Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again. How are you born again? Through faith in Christ alone. Turn from your idols. Turn from your other gods. Turn from your wickedness and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment you believe, you are, you are born again. You're changed. You're given the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. But physical babies cannot believe. They cannot turn and believe the gospel. So to, to sum it up, I want to give you just a couple of reasons why we do not baptize physical babies. One, there is no command in the Bible to baptize babies. God commanded the Jewish people to circumcise their sons. There is no command in the scriptures to baptize babies. Number two, there are no examples in the Bible of babies being baptized. There are no examples in the Bible of babies being baptized. And there's not even a hint of it. Number three, baptizing babies tells the wrong story. It tells the wrong story. The drama of baptism is telling the story of our union with Christ. 
It's telling the story of our union with Christ through faith in Christ alone, that by the grace of God, our eyes have been opened. We turned from our sin. We put our trust in Christ. We've entered the new covenant of grace. We've died with Christ. We've been buried with Christ. Our old life is over. We've been raised with Christ. We have a new life in him. We're freed from sin. We've been adopted into the, into the family of God. We've been transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It is, it is a glorious picture that we tell through baptism, but this is simply not true of babies because they cannot exercise saving faith in Christ. And so baptizing babies is telling the wrong story. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, if I was baptized as an infant, if I was baptized as an infant and then I became a Christian and I've not been baptized, do I need to get baptized? Answer, yes. Yes. I'm not saying if you were baptized as a baby that you're not a Christian today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think the answer is yes. To fulfill the command to be baptized. Observation number five. Baptism is a gift. It's a gift. Baptism is part. It is part of how we respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of the invitation to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it's part of saving faith. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we're saved by faith alone. We are united to Christ by faith alone. But what you see in the scriptures is that this glorious truth, the glorious truth of being born again, of becoming a new creation in Christ, this, this reality that takes place within the inner person is to be acted out through baptism. And so I know I talk to people all the time where their hearts are just so full of gratitude towards God. They're so thankful for what God has done for them. They put their faith in Christ and they say, what do I need to do? What do, what do I do? Well, you don't do anything to earn your salvation. But the Lord Jesus has asked those that he has saved to be baptized. It's part of the way we are to respond to Christ, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift. It is a gift for his people. It's a gift to the church. Now, the call to action here, I think, is pretty clear. If you're not a Christian, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you need to become a Christian. Uh, you don't need the sign of salvation. You need salvation. You need to turn from idols. You need to turn from your sin and embrace Christ as your Lord. You need to become a Christian. You don't need the sign of salvation. You need the reality, namely Christ. And after you come to faith in Christ, once you're born again, we'd be delighted to baptize you. Now, if you're here and you are a Christian, you are a Christian, you've been following Christ, I would encourage you to take that step, and you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you to take that step and be baptized. I mean, what's preventing you? Your ugly feet? Do you, get, you have ugly feet? Is that what's preventing you? You don't want your hair to get wet? Don't let those things stop you from obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, don't put it off any longer. You know, as a church, we do baptisms all the time. And in the coming weeks, we're going to do some more baptisms. And so I'm going to put up a QR code to see if we have that QR code. Um, it's, it's floating around all over the place in the building. But if you'd like to be baptized, this is one way that you can sign up. We'll have a little interview just to make sure that you, we know who you are and you, you understand what the gospel is. But then we would love for you to get baptized. And if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I grew up, I was I grew up in a... Reformed Presbyterian Church, I was baptized as a baby. Am I saying you need to get out of here if you don't get baptized right away? That's not what I'm saying. You're welcome to be here. Everyone's welcome to be here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is where, this is what we believe as a church. This is 
This is what we believe the Lord Jesus Christ has asked us to do. This is what he's asked us to do, is to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we want to give you an opportunity to respond, to respond to that. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven.